Father, you are worthy of 
all honor and praise. And we've come today to worship you with all of our hearts and to surrender our lives anew to you. We ask that you will help us to know you in this time together. Fill our hearts and our minds with your spirit and your presence. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. I invite you to take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here. And if you want to move forward a little bit, you can. That's the quietest greeting I've ever heard. It was more murmuring than greeting, I think. Well, it's great to see you. Uh, it's a break weekend at the college, so you know we have a, a few less of us here, but you know the really spiritual people have come to the service today, right? It's nice to see you, and uh, I want to I want to mention to you about this week coming up at Holy Week. It's a special week in the life of not just our church, but the church around the world. And there's some special things that are going on. Uh, Wednesday evening, uh, there will not be a, uh, any children's ministries or the adult prayer group. Junior high youth are going to meet Wednesday evening. Thursday is Monday Thursday. And this uh, commemorates the night of Jesus uh, meeting with his disciples, the night of his arrest. And we will have a service here at 7 o'clock. This is a powerful time where uh, it involves music, it involves uh, the scriptures, it involves um, candles and it involves a lot of symbolism as we, we practice some of the ancient traditions of the church on that night and a lot of things that can speak to us. So we hope you'll join us Thursday at 7. Friday is Good Friday and we're doing something different this year. We are hosting uh, an event in the gym uh, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And it's uh, calling it a journey to the cross. And there will be 10 destinations uh, in the gym with uh, a variety of things at each destination to remind us, to help us connect uh, in uh, maybe ways that we don't normally with the events leading up to and, and even some events after the cross. And you can come and go anytime during between 10 and 6. You can stay as long or as little as you want. You could probably walk through the destinations in 5 or 10 minutes, or you can stay for a few hours if you want. And there will be places where you can sit to meditate and to think through things. There will be people here to answer questions and to help in any way that we can. But we hope you'll have some time to come on Friday uh, to just experience uh, that and be a part of that, those destinations. And then next Sunday is Easter and obviously a very special day in the life of the church. And please note that the schedule is completely different next week. Uh, we'll have a, a celebration service at 745. And during that time we will be baptizing I think uh, 10 people. And then after that, breakfast up at the college in the campus center dining hall. And then uh, worship service back here at 10 o'clock. And so just please note the, the change in that schedule. Uh, I am offering uh, another membership class. I'm hoping to do that this week. If you're interested in joining, uh, you want to be part of that, let me know today. And uh, make sure you get, that gets communicated to you as we work out the schedule. There are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin as always. I do want to mention that... Uh, former resident and member Hel- Meredith Kellogg died on Friday, and he will his service will be tomorrow here at the church at noon, and uh, visitation will begin at 11, an hour before the service. 
At this time, we'll ask the ushers to come and assist us as we give back to God in all the ways which he has blessed us. Hope is here, shout the news to everyone. It's a new day, peace has come. Jesus saves, mercy triumphs at the cross. Love has come to rescue us. Jesus saves. Hope is here, what a joyful noise we'll make as we join in heaven's song to pray together if you'd like to come and kneel at the altar as uh, for your place of prayer please join me Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can declare with complete certainty that Jesus saves. That because of Christ, the world is completely transformed. And we come today in gratitude and thanksgiving for all that you've done for us in Christ. 
we have to admit that we come today with a mixture of feelings and, and honestly with a need of confession. We so often hear of the sufferings of Jesus and yet we continually resist any hardship in ourselves. We set high expectations for others and yet resist them for ourselves. We clamor for attention to our needs, but often are unfeeling about the needs of the world. We are lenient with our own faults and severe with the faults of others. We're so quick to speak and often so slow to listen. We judge on outward appearances instead of taking the time to discover the character within others. Forgive us. Father, as we think about not only ourselves but this world, we pray for your grace to be so evident in this world that desperately needs you. We, we know that there are nations of the world where, that are in turmoil and violence and upheaval. We pray for your peace. So many places of the world where children that you've created and loved do not have adequate water or enough food or a place to, to, to cover themselves from the elements feel safe. And we ask that you would work miraculously to help them. Burden our hearts about the needs of the world. And Father, we pray for this week as we embark on this very special time in the life of the church. May each service and each gathering and each experience open our eyes anew to your great love, to your great power. to your desires for our lives. Father, as we think about people among us who are struggling with illness and pain, we pray that you would heal them. For people who are grieving, we pray that you would comfort them. For those who are facing a difficult decision, give them wisdom. For all who are living with a sense of frustration and disappointment and uncertainty, Wrap your arms of love around them and may they know your mercy. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for answering them in the way that you know is best. We pray all of this through the grace and the mercy and the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's scripture passage comes from the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 47 through 53. And I invite you to stand for a gospel reading and to remain standing for the song to follow. Hear the word of the Lord. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? 
When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike them with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear, and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, friend of sinners, love me ere I knew him. Drew me with his cords of love, tightly bound me to him. Round my heart so closely twined, the ties I can't consider. Father, we thank you that your love will not let us go. And we ask that as we continue in worship, you will help us to see your great love for us, your mercy, your power. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Sometimes it seems as though our world is defined by darkness. You know, 
we look around us, we read stories, we, we watch uh, events, and, and we see darkness, darkness, darkness. This is a few, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a series of stories on CNN about the, the, the reality of slavery in some of the nations of the world. And you, and you read about human trafficking, adults, children being sold into slavery, into the sex trade. You read about people who, who live in, in, in environments where they don't have food, they don't have water, they don't have the necessities. You read of people who, who are killing each other. And sometimes over the most inane things. Thinking about this, if you ponder the, the people who are sitting on death row in the prisons of this nation, the majority of them are African American and poor, typically uneducated. People who haven't really had the kinds of opportunities that, honestly, probably you and I have had. They don't have the ability to hire a lawyer who might be able to reduce their sentence or get them off. They, don't, they aren't able to, to, to get a hold of the kinds of resources for anything of life, like people who have power and wealth and clout. And, and, and the more you, you delve into the way things operate in the world, the more you see that, that the people who have wealth and power and clout get what they want most of the time. And the people who don't are sort of left to fend for themselves. I don't know if you saw this or not, but there was an article in the Buffalo News this week about um, a, a bill that just passed in Congress that was initiated by Representative Louise Slaughter from Buffalo. And it was a bill that was, that was aimed at bringing an end to, I'm guessing, a long-standing practice that members of Congress and their aides, the people who work for them, their families, people they're connected to, in a sense, anybody they want to tell, that people, that they're, they're making money off of the stock market based on their information that they have that other people don't have because of their position of power in the government. And they now have finally passed a bill that says that's illegal, but it took six years to pass that bill. And and you you read that and you think, good grief. We've been putting people in prison for doing those kinds of things. And you just see the, the injustice and you see the injustice of race. You see the injustice of classes. You see the injustice of, of so much. And that's just in this country, not considering the rest of the world. And you see all around us darkness. And, the, and the, the, the darkness of the evil one to destroy people and to destroy lives and destroy anything that God has created and loves. And there's so much of it and it's so overwhelming sometimes that it feels like that's what defines our world. But it isn't a recent phenomenon. This has been going on for a long, long time. The scriptures tell us over and over again, in fact, the writers of the Psalms say the land is full of darkness and violence. Another psalmist says, darkness is my closest friend. And Isaiah says, so there's no justice among us and we know nothing about right living. We look for light, but find only darkness. 
And as the people come to arrest Jesus in the garden, he says, this is the hour in which darkness reigns. Darkness reigns. Darkness has power. This is their time. It's a common phrase in our culture. Now is the time. This is our time. Now is our time. And you hear this over and over again in all kinds of contexts. You hear it in politics. You hear it in sports. You hear it in people who are fighting for some cause. Now is our time. We've been holding back. We've been waiting. We've been trying to get up to the forefront. And we haven't been able to do it. But now we're there. And now we have what we want. Now we've gotten to the place where we can do what we want to do. Now is our time. And the enemies of Jesus are declaring, now is our time. And Jesus says, they're right. Now is their time. This is the time when darkness reigns. And it's that darkness, the power of darkness, that that puts Jesus on the cross. Now is the time when darkness reigns. There is something about the, the, the power of darkness that, that loves secrecy. You know, lo- loves to hide in the shadows. It's sort of like you know, the, the tentacles come out and you don't realize how bad it is until it's got you around the throat. And a lot of the things that we see in this world, the, the injustice of this world and the, and the darkness of this world, a lot of it... We don't even know what's happening. I mean, take, for instance, human trafficking. This has been going on for centuries, and it's been increasing more and more all the time. And and in this this human trafficking, uh, most of us probably didn't even know what was going on, at least to this extent, except for the last couple of years. And all of a sudden, it's been brought to the light. And it seems as though this is something new that's just happened. It's been going on a long time. It's a secrecy. Jesus says to them, Why are you, what, what's going on here? Why are you guys coming to me with this mob? I was in the temple courts all the time. You could have come to me at any time. I was just there teaching, just worshiping. And this is a pretty amazing mob that comes to get Jesus. These are all, these are the big guns. It's like you're at your house and all of a sudden you hear a noise outside. And you look out and your house is surrounded by FBI agents CIA people, Homeland Security, the NSA, and you see and there are helicopters above your house and army rangers are dropping down onto your roof. And all of them have weapons trained on your home to come and get you. You know, Jesus is saying to them, you know, a good state trooper would have been plenty. I, I, I'm not going to do anything. And if you really wanted to come and get me, I was in the temple all the time. Why would you come now? Because the darkness loves secrecy. The darkness can do a lot more damage in secret. And the evil one is continually working behind the scenes and underneath things to try and and bring about havoc in our world and accomplish his purposes. And there is something about that secrecy that... It causes us to feel a bit helpless and even hopeless. How do you fight something you can't see? How do you fight something you can't get your hands around? In verses 63, 64, 65 of this chapter, we didn't read them, but Jesus is, is taken by the Roman guards and he's mocked and he's beaten and he's chained. And there's a sense of helplessness. There's nothing he can do about it. 
As a human being, they've got him. And the secrecy of the evil one, the secrecy of darkness makes us feel as though fighting it is helpless. We're helpless against it and we feel hopeless against it. I was thinking about that a couple of weeks ago as I was reading on a website about the civil rights movement of the 1960s, or late 50s, early and into the 60s, and even some into the 70s. And it, this website listed in photograph and, and in, in words, descriptions, uh, all of the people who were murdered during the civil rights movement. There's a long list of them. As you might well imagine, the great majority of them were black. But what intrigued me was reading through the stories of these people, and there was a similar thread that went through each of them. They, most of them were, were murdered in, in, you know, in a, they were murdered in a variety of ways, but there were a number of them that were, that were shot in front of 20, 30, 40 people. People watching, witnessing what was going on. A couple of people had been in, in a jail and they, walk, they were released. And they walked out and by the time they got to the sidewalk, one of the deputies shot them in front of this crowd of people standing around the jail. And what's so intriguing to me is that almost every single one of these descriptions ended with the words, no charges filed. No charges filed. No charges filed. No charges filed. And there's a sense of helplessness and hopelessness when you're up against that kind of environment in which people can, people's lives can be taken from them in front of other people and nothing happens. There's no justice. And as the darkness invades our world and as the darkness pours in upon us, there is this sense of feeling hopeless. But in the midst of that, we're thinking we want to do something. Surely there's some way to respond to this. Surely there's something we can do. And we want, we want to fight back. And there is a place for fighting back. For a long time, I thought engaging in, in, in politics, engaging in in you know, trying to, to change some of the structures of, of our, our nation particularly, uh, were pretty futile to really changing, doing anything about the darkness. I, I've come to realize that there is a place for advocacy. There is a place for being a voice for the voiceless, of being a face for the faceless, of being a presence for people who have no presence. The problem is, as we talked last week, most of the time when we are advocates, we're advocating for ourselves and our rights instead of the rights of others. But, but to want to, to do something about changing the environment in which darkness and injustice seems to, to reign free, that's good. But the problem is that when we do that, it is so easy to slip into thinking about opposing the darkness by using the tools of darkness. And we can become so absorbed in fighting the darkness that we'll do anything to defeat it. And eventually we become, we begin to look like the darkness. How do you know when that's happening? 
Well, when being right is more important than doing right. When being passionate about a cause is more important than loving people. When we believe that the end justifies any means. When we find ourselves being willing to trample over people in order to get what we want. We are using the tools of the darkness. And we've missed the whole point of of what it means to be children of God. We are called to be children of light. Paul says in Ephesians 5.8, be children of light. But he says, he describes it as goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what it looks like to be children of light. People committed to goodness and righteousness and truth. And that means how we go about being light is just as important as being passionate about being light. And the journey is just as important as the destination. How we live is just as important as the end we're trying to achieve about ridding the world of the darkness. We, ought to, we want to be people of light who make a difference in the darkness. And the only way we can do that is to connect ourselves with the light. See, you and I don't really have any light within us. The only light in us is the light of Christ. We don't shine. We are prisms who simply reflect the light of Christ. And the only way we will do anything about the darkness, the only way we can, we can truly make a difference in the darkness and bring light, resonating, eternal, life-changing light into the darkness is if we are reflecting the light of Christ in us. And the only way we can reflect the light of Christ is to have the spirit of Christ. The writers of the Gospels tell us that when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he doesn't say very much. Seven phrases. Luke tells us that as, the, as Jesus' life is ebbing away, the very last words he speaks are a prayer. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. How do we begin to make any difference in the darkness? By trusting ourselves to the Father and his power over the darkness. As Jesus hangs on the cross, the darkness has won. The darkness has all the power. The only perfect, the Son of God, is hanging on the cross. And what does he do? He says, Father, I trust you. I trust your plan. I trust your way. I believe your power is greater than the darkness, even though in this moment, it certainly doesn't seem like it. But I trust you. And I am committing myself to you. And we all know that that is what saves us. 
That is what makes the cross not just a place of death, but the place of life. Because Jesus, while hanging on the cross, says, Father, despite how everything looks, I trust you. Your way, your plan. And you and I are confronted with that same decision every day. Are we going to commit ourselves to the plan, the way of God, for doing anything about the darkness? We want to fight in our own way. We want to fight in our own plan. We want to use our own power because we overestimate our power. It's hard because what what looks what Jesus says is light looks like darkness. The cross looks like darkness. This is the time when darkness reigns and it looks like the reign of darkness is never going to end. It's done. And Jesus says, Father, I trust you despite what everything looks like. He's calling us to do the same thing. In his book, Death on a Friday Afternoon, Richard John Newhouse says that every night before he goes to bed, as he he lies down, puts his head on the pillow, he, he prays this prayer. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What would happen... If every night when we went to bed, the last words on our lips, the last thoughts in our minds, the last prayer we prayed, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What if every morning the first words on our lips, the first thoughts in our mind, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What if before we started any conversation, the thought in our minds, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Before we we did anything in our workday, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Before anything we do, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. How would that change us? How would that change our view of our, of our need for God and, and, of, and of anything we might accomplish of being light in the darkness? I think it would be transformational. If the prayer, the most significant prayer that we prayed was, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirits. It's really what we're saying as we come to this table. At this table, we eat and drink the death and the life of Christ. Newhouse says that the cross is is at the same time a sign of utter defeat and, and a sign of indomitable hope. And so is this table. We eat and feel the pain and the sorrow and the agony of the hour when darkness reigns. And we eat and drink with a sense of joy and hope because the Father is greater. Because Jesus tells us in John's gospel that Satan is condemned. That no matter how much power it seems that Satan has, Jesus is greater. Jesus wins. And we come to this table recognizing the pain of of darkness, 
and the sadness of darkness in this world and the hurt and the tragedy of darkness and the hope and the joy that Christ in the cross has overcome the darkness. Years ago, Michael Card wrote a song that had just sort of stuck in my mind. And the the beginning words of it are these. On a cold April morning, as a chilling wind blew, a thousand dark promises were about to come true. As Satan stood trembling, knowing now he had lost. As the lamb took his first steps, on the way to the cross. We don't deny that darkness has great power in this world. We don't deny that darkness has a grip on this world. But we recognize that in Christ there is hope. And there is light that penetrates the darkness. And you and I can be a part of that light if we will surrender ourselves to the Father. And not just once, but daily, moment by moment, pray and live the prayer, Father, into your hands, we commit our spirits. Gracious Father, This is our prayer, our desire. We are so burdened by the darkness of this world. And so often we feel helpless to do anything about it. We feel hopeless that anything can be done about it. Father, help us to look to the cross. And to know that darkness is defeated. That the light has come. And help us, Father, as we surrender ourselves to you to be people who reflect that light. By our words and our actions, our thoughts, our very being and presence. We ask, Father, that you will pour out the abundance of your blessing upon the bread and the cup of which we are about to partake. Let your Holy Spirit move in these elements and speak deeply into our souls that as we eat and drink, we will sense the nourishment of your Spirit in us. And we will commit ourselves anew to your ways, to your light, to your presence, to be your people. We pray this, Father, through the grace and the mercy, the love and the power of Christ. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, meeting with his disciples, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. 
And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And on the same night he took the cup. Again he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do in remembrance of me. We are receiving communion this morning by the mode of intinction. This means to dip in. As you're released by rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup and eat it. And then you may return to your seat by the outside aisle. The altar is always open if you would like to stay and pray. And I, I like to mention that we practice open communion at the West End Church. Maybe this is the first time you've ever worshipped here. But if you come today with a desire in your heart to trust Christ, to be filled with the Spirit of Christ, and to be a presence of light in this world of darkness through the grace of Christ, then come and receive these gifts from our loving and gracious Heavenly Father. Savior bleed and did my sovereign die would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I was it for sins that I had done he groaned Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. My God, why would you shed your blood so pure and undefiled to make a sinful one like me? Your chosen, precious child. Well, my the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when Christ the Chosen, precious, 
So 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.